And this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, Richard Stamen is here to drop off his top five boom or bust players in the 2023 NBA draft. I am curious to hear the top guys that he thinks could either boom or bust. So stay tuned to find out who he's talking about. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And I, this year I did the NTX Combine. I was the director of scouting for the NTX Combine. And my co-host, my guy, Richard Stamen, came out to support and watch a few of the prospects. So big thanks to you for coming out to support the event. I mean, it wasn't my event, but I played a big role in it. So once again, thanks for coming out. Yeah, dude, it was a great event. I was, I was telling Rafael before, I mean, I, I think this has a lot of promise, this event, uh, as it continues to grow, it's still pretty new. And there's a lot of young hidden talent, I think. I mean, obviously these guys are seniors in college, so they're not the youngest, but they're guys that were just hiding in plain sight. I mean, if you don't mind diving into it for a second, I mean, Isaiah Moore, for example, from Fresno State has like a seven, six wingspan, bouncy, has shooting potential. He was somebody who I was really just impressed with how smooth his tools are. And as he can go grow into that, you know, he's somebody who I think gets to the G League and, and could make some, you know, make some noise there. Yeah, him, Craig Porter's a few guys played well. Um Marquise Godwin from Hampton kind of came out of nowhere and he shot the ball really well. There's quite a few guys. Funny thing about Isaiah Moore is today I went up to him and I said, um, cause he had transferred, he had been to like quite a few schools. And I said, so what made you go to Fresno? Were you going because you saw a position or a spot open with Orlando Robinson gone? And he says, yo, you're the only person that figured that out. He says, everybody was trying to wonder, why would I transfer to Fresno State? And he's like, I saw that they had a guy that was a big that played well there, and he ended up being a pro. And he was like, it was a move that I made that I thought was best for me because I liked how they developed bigs, which is interesting because Braxton Mia was on that team last year too, and he transferred to Washington. I thought he had a breakout year. But anyway, yeah, that's so that was that was pretty cool because I mean to me, I just thought it made sense. I was just trying to get double confirmation. He said nobody else did the math and figured out that it was a strategic move that that he thought that Fresno had, had did a good job with um with him as a big. And unfortunately, he got hurt, so he didn't finish out the season. But I thought he did turn some heads there with his athleticism and length. But let's talk about your top five boom. Or bus guys. This is, I think this is going to be one of those shows that does well on YouTube. There's going to be a bunch of comments. Some people are going to call you an idiot, call you crazy. Somebody's going to give you a thorough breakdown on why the guy that you say is boom or bust <laughs> is a definite hit. <laughs> but that's just, you know, that's just the nature of the business. So I'm looking forward to this. Hey, rightfully so sometimes, you know, you got to call. I mean, I've had a ton of misses. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I know where I'm coming from, but sometimes the conclusion, it just doesn't land. You know, I mean, that's that's really how drafting 
draft like evaluation really works is we know what we're talking about, but like the decision that, that we have to make of, is this guy going to be good or not? That's a tough one. You can have, cause I mean, for me, I build out, I think, you know, strong, accurate scouting reports. And I'm just like, I don't think he's good. And then he'd be, then someone ends up being good. Like Jaden Hardy last year, we talked about, uh, I completely whiffed on, whiffed on him and Walker Kessler. So, you know, not going to be perfect on it. I'm not expecting perfect, but uh, hoping that, you know, at least these five, I can nail down. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> we, we just don't know. We're just giving our opinions and we're predicting I think the, the future. Yeah. But I think the, the key to being good is not being afraid to be wrong. Like there's some people that just play it safe all the time. And if you play it safe all the time, then you're you're not going to like you're just playing it safe. You're not gonna have any takes and people aren't gonna disagree with you. But people I know some people want to hear hot takes and they wanna hear clickbait stuff. That's not what we do here at NBA Big Board. Whatever opinions that we have is what we truly, truly believe. And so sometimes when you really believe something, you're gonna be wrong. But my thing is trust your gut. Trust your gut. And if your gut is wrong, it's wrong. But for the most part, I think that um yeah, I mean, just think if you trust your gut, you you come out fine. All right, so let's 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 get started in this. Who is numero uno on your boom or bust list for twenty twenty three? So I I was th- figuring out how I would do this of who's the absolute most boom or bust player, or if I would do just by the big board. I'm gonna go with the absolute though. I think there's one player that's in my top fifteen. He's seen as a top 10 prospect by most accounts, but there's never been a perfect top 10 in the history of the NBA draft. So somebody's in a bus, somebody's in some guys will boom, you know, like, and I think uh, for me, I think the biggest risk to become a boomer bus player is a star Thompson. You know, he's 20 years old. He is for reference. That's four months younger than Mike miles. Who was a junior in college, the old, the youngest upperclassman. They have never played outside of a few games in the basketball tournament against non-NBA players. They have never really played above high school competition. And on top of that with Asar, and the reason I only say Asar, I don't list both Thompson twins, is I do not trust Asar's ability to get to the rim right now. I think he is hesitant. I think he has a lot of work to do as a creator in finishing. And overall, as a creator, I think his passing is very good. But again, decision-making with the ball in his hands is a little bit wary for me. I just, I feel like that's going to limit those skills. So while he is a great defender, I worry about how he translates. What do you think is the biggest difference between him and his brother Amen as far as getting to the rack? I think Amen, I mean, the biggest thing for me is just Amen's a point guard and that kind of answers it. I think Amen is better at keeping the ball alive and dancing around defenders. Asar gives up too easily, uh, which is that hesitancy as we spoke of earlier. So if Asar was never, if he wasn't a twin and we hadn't seen what some people feel like is a better version of him, how does that impact how you feel? Would you think, okay, this guy has a chance to be a point forward if you've never, if you never saw Amin? I, I, that's a tough question. I, I think, I mean, I think personally with the evaluation and the Thompson twins, their overlap is fed into each other, right? Asar is a better defender, so people automatically assume Amen is going to be a great defender too, which is not a fair evaluation. Prospects are different. I mean, different. I mean, the last twins I can remember being evaluated were the Marcus, Marquise, excuse me, Marquise and Marcus Morris. 
And while they are very similar, they had different traits. They weren't one-to-one prospects. And I think it's a big thing people confuse players with is if one player, if one twin has it, the other has that same thing. And it's just not the case. So the long answer. Yeah. I think some of Amen's point guard ability impacts how we talk about us are off subject a little bit. And I could be totally wrong on this. So if I'm wrong, but the, the Morris twins went one pick behind each other. Yep. So that year I was working in the G league for the Texas legends. And I, I think it was Mark Keith that was playing in Phoenix and he was doing well. Yep. And Marcus was in Houston and he was struggling. And I remember he played some games with the Rio Grande Valley Vipers. If I'm not mistaken, one year that team had Hassan Thabit and Marcus Morris on the same team. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. And I was asking one of the coaches who was a friend of mine, I said, why is he in, why is he in the G league? At the time it was the D league and his brother was playing well. And he says, well, Marcus doesn't seem to do well without, without his brother. So they're close twins. They've never been apart. And one is handling it a lot worse than the other. And then a few weeks later, Marcus was traded to Phoenix and then he started playing well. So, I mean, there's somebody that may say that's not true. That they, they may dispute that story, but this is just what I heard from an assistant that was on RGV. And I thought it was, I mean, I don't think it was a coincidence that weeks later after being in the G league or D league, and he didn't even play good in the D league that he was traded to Phoenix. So I said all that to say this, I wonder, and my mom is a twin, so I kind of have a little bit of an understanding of how close twins are, especially identical twins that have the same interests. I wonder if there's going to be a major adjustment period off the court for the twins being separate for the first time. And that's something that I wonder if teams are really, really paying attention to or, or, or thinking about because, I mean, we've seen it happen, but, I mean, we've seen twins succeed. I mean, the Collins twins they were fine. Um, the Lopez twins, even though they're like, <laughs> they're totally different players and seem to have totally different personalities, but that's just something that I wonder our teams um, considering. All right. Speaking of building a championship team, or if you want to build a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is the perfect fit. And just like when you're drafting one of the Thompson twins, you have to make sure that it is the right fit. And it is a, a situation that, like we just been talking about, are, are the players both going to adjust well with being away from each other? And when it comes to adjusting and fit, it is the same when it comes to your vehicle because every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With the eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right. And that is on the first time around. So just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know if the part will fit or eBay will give you your money back. Because like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. And when you shop on eBay Motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from, you will be back in the game in no time. After all, it is easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. And eBay's guaranteed fit is only good. It's only available for U.S. customers. Eligible items only. 
and exclusions apply. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. And the next episode will feature Leaf Tulane. So you got to stay tuned to find out what me and Leaf are going to discuss in the next episode. All right, back to the boom or bust, the top five boom or bust prospects by Richard Stamen or Richard Stamen's top five boom or bust pro- prospects. Oh, I can't talk. It's been a long week with this combine. I'm exhausted, man. 30 players, probably 25 different agents figuring out logistics, what times this guy getting in, setting up the drivers. It's been a long week. I'm exhausted. So if my my speech is a little slurred, just blame it on being exhausted. All right. Richard Stamens, top five boomer bust prospects. So we had number one, Asur Thompson. I would have not have I mean on one hand when you said it, I know that you've made some tweets about basically concerns. Um, but it's rare that you that people separate the Thompson twins. Like some people are looping them in together as as like they're boomer bust guys, but you're just going with one. All right. So who's number two? Yeah, I mean, hey, first of all, can I can I also get that? That passed with the Marcus and Markeith Morris. I think I passed it on to you, honestly, the, the mixing up the words. But uh, yeah. <laughs> my second one, this is a tough one because I actually don't think this guy's that boomer bust, but the narrative around him is. So I'm going to go with him as the second option uh, just because there are re- like not necessarily red flags, but I mean, there are risks with the guy, right? And that's Gigi Jackson. I know this is somebody you like. I like him as well. He's still in my top 10. He's my number nine player on my board because I do think he's going to be closer to that boom than a bust, right? I mean, he's 6'9". The ball handling skills he has, I think the three-point shot is better than the percentages in, indicate 68% from the line, 32% from three, 38% from the field. Obviously, it's alarming that he had a three to negative 3-1 to one assist to turnover ratio. He had 2.7 turnovers per game. assists per game. That's really where the red flag for me comes in. So I think personally, if I had to choose, he's probably going to boom just because I I mean, the defense wasn't nearly as good as it was at Peach Jam. I think a lot of it was situational for him. And the fact that he was super young. I mean, he turned what 18, I think in the middle of the season in November or December. Yeah. He made the deadline by 14 days. Yeah. Like, Like he is very young. And for me, when you, if you were to build out just from a very raw perspective, the outline of what you want a modern forward to be in terms of skill set, size, and age coming into the draft, he checks every box. Six nine, athletic, can do just about everything in terms of skill and ability. Just putting it all together, and then also youngest. I think he's the youngest player in the draft, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I spoke to a team today about him, and there's like he's so young. He's so young. But it's weird that they're using his age against him. But if he stays one more year, I feel like those that same team or those teams that are going to using his youth against him are going to be like, dang, if he stays one more year, now he's out of our range. Because I, I, I've said it for months now. If he stays in his normal class, I think he is the number one pick. And the, the team that I spoke with, their concerns about him were his age, how young he is, how will he adjust 
And then they were just concerned about it. They said he played on a really, really bad team. And they just wonder if he picked up some really bad habits by playing on a bad team. And because he was such a highly touted recruit at a school that isn't used to getting that type of talent, that they kind of spoon-fed him, and they were just concerned about his habits. The good thing for me is that because I'm not like an NBA scout or I don't work for an NBA team, I can have like access to the players. I can talk to them. I don't have to like gather intel. I mean, intel is still important, but I've had a chance to talk to him and be around him for a few days. And um, it's, it's, it's very interesting. I guess teams will find out. I think teams are going to be fine with him once he interviews at the combine and when he goes on different visits. But right now, teams that he hasn't worked out for, they have so many questions about him. All right, who's number three? Number three for me is I'm going to go with Bryce Sensabaugh. I know that's kind of an outlier, I feel like, on this because he does have an elite skill to hold him together in the NBA, but there's just a lot to work with that I think makes him a little bit of a red flag. He has no idea how to play defense right now, even though I think there's a misconception with that. Even though he's not a good defender by impact, he does have good perimeter just mobility and able to stay with drives. He has the physical tools to be a good defender, but right now he's so unbelievably lost on that end. And his decision-making with the ball is pretty rough. I think he's somebody who, again, if I had to choose, I have him closer to boom. Somehow he's sliding on my board, but it's more because I can justify it. Again, it's that boomer bust risk where I'm like, all right, if that's good case, I'm going to move him down for someone I know is safer, like Kobe Bufkin, for example. Mm -hmm. um, but Bryce Sensible to me, has all the tools to be an absolute boom. Will he put it together? That's where the boomer boss comes into play. So I did an article on NBA Big Board a few weeks back, and I interviewed five, I think it was five coaches from the Big Ten, just to give their scouting reports from their perspective on how they defended players and how they matched up. And this is what a coach said about Sensible. He was a guy who he felt doesn't want to guard. I think he is capable of guarding, but we felt like if we could get him going through screens, screen him off the ball, and make him work, that's how we could exploit that matchup. So Coach literally said the same thing that, that you said. The concerns about the defense, but why you think that he can if he wanted to. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, it's just he has the physical tools. It's a motor thing, and, and motor is always going to be a massive question mark for players. I mean, that's why guys like Khalil Ware fell this year. His motor was rough and he didn't, I mean, it's a little bit different, but like motor matters. Has there ever been a guy who you felt like did not have a motor and then all of a sudden his motor got better? <laughs> There's definitely been. Um, wow. I'm trying I can't to think, think of, of one. I think either you got it or you don't. There's there's one that pops out and I for the life of me cannot remember who it is. It was someone I think early uh, like 2017 or 18 when I started doing full scouting reports and I think it came along and I just for the life of me cannot remember who it was. I know one that this is somebody who I believed in too much, I think, uh, for back in 2017. And that was Ivan Rab. Uh, if you remember him, I, I think he had a little bit of a rough motor. He was formerly a number one uh, recruit for a a little bit and he, he just never really put it together so i think that's something where motor hurt him uh there's been plenty of examples and i think a lot more though that come to mind of the ones who fail are bigs 
I think with guards, it's a little bit different guards and wings. That's my guess, but I need to go back and that's a great, great research project though. Cause I can't think of a guy that comes to mind who I said, ah, he doesn't have a good motor. And then all of a sudden he had a good motor. I think a motor is who you are. I think you can improve as a defender. Maybe some of it is experience because, you know, when you were in high school, you were college, you were so athletic that you were just a good defender based off your tools. And then maybe you struggled in college a little bit, but learned how to become a better defender. Same with shooting. I just don't know if motor is something that you can improve. You, either you have it or you don't. And that's why I would be very, very worried about drafting like Khalil Ware. I'd be, I'd be terrified. And maybe if he's a, you know, maybe, and it's just me talking, if he doesn't have a great motor, then maybe you can play him 10 to 15 minutes as a backup in, in spurts. But I just, a guy that just doesn't have a great mode, I'd be really concerned about him playing 30 minutes per game. And there are guys that are successful. I think DeAndre Ayton has a questionable motor. I don't think it runs yes. hot all the time. Definitely does not. But he's productive. I mean, what is he, 18 and I mean, 10, 18 and 11? No, I don't think he can be. 60% shooting. Yeah, 25 and 12. <laughs> but. I mean, I guess he's probably the best guy that I can think of that's a big. But he's so talented that he can get away with not having a great motor. But again, I think if he had, man, if you put Oscar Sheboy's motor inside DeAndre Ayton's body, we're talking about 28 and 18. I mean, I'm talking like ridiculous ridiculous video game numbers or like the NBA numbers used to see from guys back in the, in the Will Chamberlain era where they grab like 30 rebounds per game. All right. So who is next on your, on your boom or bust list? I hate that I'm about to say this next one. And this is somebody who we both, I think feel um, pretty like we have a soft spot for because he's from Dallas. We actually saw him together back in 2021 but the tale of two seasons and the overall inefficiency makes me wonder, is he truly boom or bust? And that's Keontae George from Baylor. He's somebody who I think heading into the season, we both had, I think, top five, top 10 at least. And now I don't think you'll see him top 10 in most circles. And part of that is he is completely a tale of two seasons. The non-conference is great. The reason I think I'm more willing to give him a pass than any other player in all of this is he fought through injury in the second half, especially the big 12 play. And I wonder if that was to do with his issues, but the worries for me are how good is his defense truly? I thought earlier in the year, I think it's probably injury related. It was better, but it got worse throughout the season. How much of a playmaker is he actually? Another thing that kind of same thing, non-conference good, conference, it wasn't so great. And then also the jump shot just wasn't as successful as it should have been. And I guess my question just lies in how successful will his jump shot end up ever be? He told me that, the ankle was really bothering him and he had so much tape on it that one foot was heavier than the other. And then he mentioned that he kind of bulked up a little too much and put on too much weight. And I guess to get prepared for big 12 play, because big 12 is really not a conference for freshmen. I mean, who are the only freshmen that made an impact? Was it Keontae and Grady Dick? Were there any other freshmen? 
I think maybe Iowa State had one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they did. They did. And I, I'm absolutely drawing a blank on who it was. Yeah, but point guard. It's not an NBA prospect. Yeah, I'm, maybe long term, but I mean, not right away. But I thought he was a point guard that played. So I, I think that played a role in it. Um, it it's tough, but I, I agree. I, I do think that his stock has has dropped a little bit. So he's going to have to interview well. And also, um, I don't know if he's going to participate at the Combine. We'll, we'll see. But, I, yeah, he didn't end the year the way that um, – well, I, I, I'll say it this way. He wasn't trending in the right direction at the end of the season. All right, so is that four? Yep, that's four. All right, who is number five? Man, this is tough. I actually have two guys that I'm looking at, and they're both big men. And it, this one does not relate to motor, I don't think. I think I'm going to go with the one who I know a little bit more about because he is from college basketball. The other's an international big. But I'm going to go with Muhammad Gay from Washington State. I think he has all the tools to be a successful big. He's got a jump shot. He's uh, It's still growing, of course, but he has a little bit of creation ability. He's athletic can defend multiple positions, in theory could be a very good defender. But all of it is so far away that I wonder how much he actually is good at some of that stuff, how much of it is theoretical, how much is functional. If he hits, though, if all of that actually does turn into useful skills, he is a star. Every year there's a guy like him. Yep. So one year for me it was, oh, I can't think of his name right now, not Okongwu, from USC, Nigerian, can't think not of UCLA because I'm thinking EK Enigbogu, but he didn't oh have all God. those things. No. Lonzo <laughs> Ball got drafted. <laughs> I, Lonzo, Lonzo Ball got TJ Leaf and, and that guy. He got those guys paid. <laughs> um, I can't think of the guy's name. Um, I want to say from USC. Did he does he play for the Spurs now? He was on the Nigerian. Oh, Tamezi Metu. Yes. I felt like he had the same skills, not not the exact same player, but it was like there were these flashes where you're like, whoa, if he puts it together. And then another guy that I still have not sold my stock on, Kata, Nemus Kata. I, I thought that he could really help a team. I think he can help the Dallas Mavericks right now. Who did you say? Nemus Kata. From- um, yeah. Uh, was he? Where did he go to school? Utah State. Utah, yeah, Utah State from Portugal. I know, like he has a huge fan base in Portugal. Yeah, and gay, and he like you see the tools, you see the flashes. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I saw the like the athleticism and all that. The, he can face up, put the ball on the floor, and then this year the numbers were better. He, I know, he had like a monster game. I want to say like a 35-point game earlier this season. But if I'm not mistaken, I haven't looked at the numbers in a while. The three-point shooting percentage, it was, it was kind rough. of it, it was inefficient. I got one for you. Here's my boomer bus guy. And I know this is Richard Stamen's boomer bus guy. I got one for Don't you. This guy to me is the most confusing prospect in the draft. And actually one of his teammates, actually two of his teammates, I feel like are boomer bust. I'm going with Coleman Hawkins. Wow. Not who I thought you were going to go with. Who's the, who's I the mean, Matthew Mayer has been Terrence a tease Shannon. to me and Terrence Shannon. All, all those guys to me could actually be boomer bust. 
I think Mayer missed out. No, <laughs> he, he that should... window's closed. <laughs> yeah, that window's closed. But if you watch him, you're like, this. He's fluid. He he can hey. shoot sometimes. But with Coleman Hawkins, the shot looks money. He can pass. He has size. Like how many guys or what is he six? I I, I haven't seen him in person. He's but I've 6'10", heard he's a true six ten. I've heard he's a true six ten. I mean, he's a good passer. He can't shoot, but the numbers, the shot looks good. I mean, what is this? Is it's, it three years under thirty percent from three? Yeah, and I think it's important to add though he averaged both the steal and a block a game. I mean, that's a big metric that that people look at. Like for bigs, is can you yeah. average two stocks a game with and splitting it evenly where both end up being one? It's not like two blocks and zero steals. Yeah, and that triple the, double versus Texas. The, I mean, the, that game. The the tools are there, and uh, I I go back to my my Big Ten. What the coaches were saying about him. Uh, let me let me pull this up. Coaches had a lot to say about him. I'll read it. One coach says he's tough to figure out, and we've played him three or four times. He's tough because if he were a more efficient player, it made the simple play. He'd be a stud. Another coach says he's a super fiery competitor. He really wants to win, and I think. He's very intriguing because he's a true 6'9 or 6'10, and he can bring up the ball. I think at times he tries to make the too cool play rather than making the simple play. If he were more efficient when he's doing what he's doing, I think he'd be very intriguing. I think some try, sometimes he tries to do too much with the ball. He'll throw lobs off the glass, or he'll try to go behind the back against a little guard, and he'll dribble off his foot. Another coach, he makes some boneheaded plays at times, but I think he's very capable of playing a role where he's the the where he's the guy handling the ball not saying he's a primary ball handler but he can relieve stress off your point guard if he needs to he also says he hit one three-pointer against us that was from 30 feet it was a deep one that he took and he shot it very confidently another time we ran him off the line and he pumped fake went baseline and dunked on our guy so it's flashes like that where you say he's an nba pro but then he does stuff when you see why he's not. Um, here's one that I thought was pretty interesting about him. This coach says, I don't know what he shot from three, but when it goes up, it looks good. We respect it, and we have a red, black, and blue as far as guys in our scouting report. He was in the black. Red is a sniper, a guy you have to be out there to contest. Blue is a sub-20% three-point shooter that we don't have to worry about there. Black are guys we have to be there, but we're living with them making threes. If they hit it, it's okay. And if they beat us from three, they deserve to win. So they had him as black. <laughs> it's it's like the, the I mean, just their scouting reports. Are very interesting. Here's another one. He can put the ball on the deck, so we weren't trying to run him off the line. I would assume he's in the low 30s from three point, but the fact that he's never been above 30. From what his jump shot looks like, it's surprising. But I think he can be a capable shooter. So even the coaches are confused. Like, <laughs> they talk about the skill set. But even then, they're like, the three-point shot. Like, I mean, they had him as, we'll live with him making threes. One coach said he was shocked that he's never been above 30. But the shot looks money. Yeah, and I mean, he he's one of those guys where I feel like if you looked at this whole draft class without ever acknowledging the stats, 
then it was like, how good do you think these guys are as shooters, right? Where you had to guess their percentage or something. You wouldn't guess he's 28% from three this year. And kind of the same thing, like um, I said, he had a triple-double versus Texas. It was against Syracuse. I mean, just those kind of games, big men getting triple-doubles is so ridiculously rare. I mean, a triple-double in college basketball is rare. Yeah. I mean, if you look at how many triple-doubles there are in the season, I mean, I can't imagine it's more than, I want to say, 15 at the most. Like, But that seems like a lot anyways. And if you filter that down by position, how many of them are by people taller more like than six six? Probably not many. Like all college basketball very much is a five eleven to six threes guards league. And you have a six ten true big doing that. So kind of like you said, my whole thing with Hawkins is can you put it all together, make it a realistic uh skill set? Shooting has to be an, an ability for him because the scoring it doesn't pop, the rebounding's like okay, the passing's very good. Can it be enough to actually stick? If there were a three-point contest <laughs> and you had to put your money on who's going to win between Jairus Walker and Coleman Hawkins, who are you picking? Not the question I thought you were going to ask. Uh, I don't know who I expected as the other. It was <laughs> not Jairus Walker. <laughs> and the reason I'm asking because, I mean, maybe 1.2, give or take a point or attempt a game is the difference as far as attempts. But Walker was like 34, 35%. And Hawkins was, what, like 28? Yeah. I think it's tough. I think Jairus is underrated as a shooter because of that free throw percentage. Like, eh, he's not going to be a great shooter, but he'll be passable. Hawkins, I feel like the percentages just underrate him. Like, it's one of those things, if you gave him standstill, like, it made an NBA three-point contest style where you're, you're out of station – just in your rhythm, in your rhythm, dipping, shooting. It might be Coleman Hawkins. I, I, I think it's tough. I think his shot is so perfect for like a three-point contest. It's probably him. Well, Jairus Walker shot 66% from the foul line. Coleman Hawkins was 61%. <laughs> like, that's why this guy is confusing. If the shot falls, if he can get the shot to fall, then I think he's a boom. But if the shot doesn't fall, then it just kind of, it doesn't, basically he needs the shot to open up the door for all of his skill sets. Yeah. Well, that wraps up this episode. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. Our next episode will be with Leaf Tuling. This is Rafael Barlow with Richard Stamen. He just dropped off his top five boomer bus prospects in the 2022, 2023 NBA.